Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. You cannot decide, cannot decide to have faith. You cannot by your own reason or strength believe. The Holy Spirit must call you, enlighten you, and sanctify you. The Holy Spirit must fill you with trust that God is merciful and forgives your sins. You cannot create that trust for yourself. But really we have to go back one step even further because you cannot even lay the groundwork for that trust. In order to trust that God forgives your sins, you must first believe that you are a sinner. In order to receive life and salvation from God, you must first believe that you are dead. In order to hide yourself in his wings of mercy, you must first fear God's punishment for sin. But you cannot muster any of that on your own. You cannot bring yourself to feel sorry for your sins. You cannot decide to fear God, since by nature we do not fear him and live our lives well enough doing whatever we please. We're not helped by the world that we live in, which loves to imagine that if there is a God, he's the kind of God who winks at sin and excuses human weakness. That kind of a God is comfortable for us. He lets us carry on. He's okay with us just as we are and does not require us to change. But if God is not interested in our sin, if he is not concerned with the punishment of sin, that also means he cannot forgive it. If he is not concerned about the danger that we're in, then he cannot and will not rescue us. A God who winks at sin and excuses human weakness would never be moved by sin to sacrifice his son. That's not the God who sent his prophet Jonah to the city of Nineveh, that wicked city. God sent Jonah to cry out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. If God didn't think that sin was a big deal, he wouldn't have bothered sending his prophet. And when Jonah tried to escape, when he tried to avoid going to Nineveh, God would not have arranged things so that Jonah would wind up in the belly of a whale with time to think about his mistakes and then spit back up on the shore ready to do what God had commanded him. God would never have done that if he didn't care about sin. The day of the Lord is coming, says the prophet Joel. It is near. A day of darkness and gloom a day of clouds and thick darkness. The day of the Lord is great and very awesome. Who can endure it? That warning is the reason for Ash Wednesday. That warning is the reason we quit singing the Alleluia's this week. That warning is the reason why you receive ashes and this terrible word. Remember that you are dust and to dust you shall return. Now, there is a way to misunderstand that terrible word, which makes it seem less threatening. 
the foolish imagination of this world would have you believe that death is natural, that the circle of life is somehow wholesome, that there's something beautiful about returning to dust, but there is nothing beautiful about it at all. Death is the destruction of God's created goodness. Death is not just the end, but the ruin of life. And it is the wages of sin, the just punishment for all of our treachery. When you receive ashes on your forehead in the shape of a cross, it is not to remind you that life is short and, and that now and again it will make you feel like dirt. It is to remind you that you have a jealous God who hates sin. Not so that you cower before him as before a tyrant, not so that you recoil like a frightened puppy, but so that you will turn to him and live, so that you will hold all the more tightly to the promise of his mercy. That's what repentance looks like. Repentance is something that is often misunderstood. People generally understand that it's good to feel sorry for things that you've done wrong, to feel sorry for your sins. And people generally understand that it's good to do better. If you're truly sorry, you'll try to do better. But we also tend to think that repentance is some sort of a transaction. That in exchange for our sorrow or our apology, we receive forgiveness. And so, of course, the worse you feel for your sins, the more forgiveness you receive. And in order to receive forgiveness, you must produce a convincing apology that shows just how awful you feel. But that's not how repentance works. Forgiveness is not given in exchange for anything. It's not a transaction. It's a gift. It's not the reward for feeling sorry or a reduced sentence for good behavior. Repentance is not something you do for God. Repentance is something that God does to you so that he can show you his mercy. God knows that you won't want his mercy if you think you don't need it. He knows that your heart cannot love him as long as your treasure is here on earth. He knows that you cannot trust him if you do not also fear him. And so he shows you your sins, and he shows you his justice, and he lets echo throughout history those words that he spoke to Adam and Eve, and the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. You will surely die. Remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. But that memory, remembering that you are dust, that memory is not something you can produce. That, too, is a gift. Sorrow over your sins is not something that you can work up all on your own. You can't make yourself feel bad, and even if you could, God would not be impressed. The Holy Spirit, who is the giver of all good gifts, he works repentance in your hearts by God's word. When you hear the scriptures, when you listen to a sermon, when you learn and study and pray God's word, when you hear that you are dust and to dust you shall return, God himself breaks your stony heart. His word is like a hammer that smashes the rocks and it smashes your heart so that he can give you a new one. 
God himself gives you sorrow over your sin so that you'll let him forgive it. God himself threatens death so that you'll learn there is no life apart from him. When you receive ashes upon your forehead in the shape of a cross, it is to impress upon you that now is the day of repentance. Now is the day for turning away from sin. Tomorrow is not promised in this world. Later this evening is not promised. What is promised is a day of darkness and great sorrow. So as the prophet says, rend your hearts. Rend your hearts and not your garments. Rend them now. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. When you receive ashes upon your forehead in the shape of a cross, it is to direct your attention to death. But not just yours. It is to direct your attention to the death of Jesus, to the moment of God's grace and mercy, to the sight of his steadfast love, to the time and place where the wrath, and God, wrath of God was poured out on his own son for your sake, out of love for you, to rescue you from death. That's why it's in the shape of a cross. When you receive ashes upon your forehead in the shape of a cross, it is to proclaim to you that he who knew no sin became sin for you so that you could become the righteousness of God. Now is the day for turning to the Lord. Now is the favorable time because now is the day of salvation. Be reconciled to God now. In our Old Testament lesson, the king of Nineveh was uncertain. This is what he said. He said, who knows? Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. Who knows? He called for a fast, for weeping and for mourning, from the greatest to the least, for everyone, sackcloth and ashes. He himself sat in the dust, saying, who knows? Maybe God will relent. Who knows whether God will turn? Today we call for a fast as well. But it is not because we do not know. We have no uncertainty about this. We call for a fast because we do know. Because God has looked on us with favor. Because he has already turned and relented from the disaster he has promised to us. We call for a fast because having received mercy by the wounds of Jesus, we know that it is all a gift. Repentance and faith from beginning to end and it is a gift that has been given to you. We call for a fast and pray that God would continue to gather and enlighten and sanctify us. That he would continue to create in us new and contrite hearts so that lamenting our sins and acknowledging our wretchedness, we may receive from him full pardon and forgiveness. May the peace of God which passes all understanding guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.